Hello, and welcome to Dinner at Gifties with your host, Take a Iron Hoof. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that we have our own Patreon. With tiers starting as low as $1 per month, you can show even more appreciation. Every member, no matter which tier you choose, will receive their own badge on the Dinner at Giffney's website and a personal call-out at the end of each episode. Starting at the $5 tier, you will receive an exclusive Dinner at Giffney sticker, and at our top tier, you will receive an even more exclusive t-shirt. All proceeds will be going toward paying for the podcast expenses, including paying voice actors and authors for their contributions. And... If we have anything left over at the end of the year, Patreon members will get to decide which charity the remaining funds go to. On tonight's episode, Emerson and Charlie, mouse and squirrel mates, adjust to being new parents while balancing their love life, work, and friendships. Talk of the Town by Field T. Mouse. Emerson in bed, in the dark, rolled from one side to another, suddenly awake. The harvest mouse sighed. It's my turn, isn't it? He was a light sleeper to begin with, unlike Charlie, his mate. The fox squirrel could sleep through almost anything, to the point of being a habitual sleepwalker. But that sound! There was no ignoring or mistaking it. It could cut through steel. Tired eyes snapping open. Emerson shifted to his back and stared, dead tired, at the ceiling as he listened to his kids bawling. A tempest of screams. What time was it? Do I even want to know? Swinging his legs out of bed, the naked rodent reeled on his boxer briefs with his prehensile tail. Putting them on, he stood and wobbled towards the door, almost tripping in the process. A squeak. He shook himself, trying to overcome the fatigue. Making it to the kids' room, he shuffled to their cribs. Shh, shh, hey, I'm here. I'm here, it's okay. He cooed, picking up his daughter first, Azalea, or Z for short. He rocked the baby mouse, who looked just like him. Yeah, see, there we go. You gonna stop crying for daddy, hmm? You gonna... Azalea wailed even louder. The mouse babies could cry with the highest of squeaky pitches, too. Ouch! Oh my gosh! Emerson winced, ears flattening to his head. Okay, okay. He gently put Z back down. Maybe he'd have better luck with the other one. Pivoting to the second crib, he cradled his son, EJ, or Emerson Jr., which was Charlie's idea, not his. For Emerson Jr., which was Charlie's idea, not his. The boy bore his mother's squirrely looks. Holding EJ to his chest, Emerson swayed side to side. You're going to be more cooperative than your sister, hmm? Yeah? The baby squirrel shrieked. Oh, come on. It's not that bad, is it? I'm here. I'm here. He murmured. Did they need changed? Was that it? His nose twitched. No. Hmm. Did they? EJ nipped at Emerson's bare chest. You're lucky you don't have your buck teeth yet, or that would have hurt. Emerson warned his son. Another nip, and a needy bark. What are you? Oh. Emerson tried everything to wake Charlie up. He whispered in her ear, tickled her nose, shook her, and tugged her tail. Nothing. She was out like a light. Grumbling, the mouse left the room, coming back from the kitchen with a cup of ice cubes. But where should he put them? Squirrels didn't have as many furless parts as mice did. He had to make sure she really felt them. Maybe on her face. Maybe on her mouth. Yeah. He put an ice cube on her lips, rubbing it around. It started to melt, and the bronze and silver squirrel stirred. It's working. And then, still asleep, she opened her muzzle wide and took a big bite of the ice, crunching it into countless pieces. Hey! Emerson went, yanking his fingers back before she bit them, too. Charlie suddenly sat up. Oh, finally! A pause. Are you awake? 
Charlie? The fox squirrel did an acrobat spin and flopped back down, face first. All right, then. Emerson nodded. Fine. His whiskers twitched. Time to escalate. He stuck an ice cube in each of her ears. The squirrel muttered something in her sleep. What was that? Emerson asked. Another mumble. The mouse hunched over her, trying to make out the words. Snowball fight! The squirrel yelled, eyes snapping open. She twirled, flailed, grabbed a pillow, and swung it at Emerson. Eek! Hit smack in the face. The mouse stumbled back and crumpled to the floor. Charlie panted and looked around. Did I win? <laughs> yes! She raised her arms victoriously. What? No, um... Getting to his knees, Emerson frowned, rubbing his nose. I was putting ice cubes on you to wake you up. You were dreaming. Oh. Charlie looked around the rustic bedroom, somewhat disappointed. That makes sense. I can get up by myself, Emerson mumbled passive-aggressively. Sorry. Charlie hopped out of bed, helping the mouse to his foot paws. Didn't mean to hit you, mouse Let me kiss it better. She planted a kiss on his nose. Emerson's eyes crossed and he almost sneezed. At least it was only a pillow this time. Hmm. Throughout all this, the babies were still crying. Are they hungry or something? The squirrel asked. Crawling back onto the bed and shedding his underwear, the mouse curled into a naked golden ball. Yes, he stressed. I tried rocking them, talking to them. They didn't need changed, and I don't have their food. <laughs> so only my tits have the power to save the day. It's not day, Emerson groused. It's the middle of the night. Impervious to grumpiness, Charlie declared brightly, Pay respect to my tits. Emerson tried not to giggle, but he couldn't help it. <laughs> He uncurled and sprawled out on the sheets, shooting his mate a smirking glance, then an exasperated sigh. How? I'm sure you can think of something, the squirrel murmured. Go feed the pups, he said evenly. You mean kits? Pups? Kits? She corrected. Emerson mumbled, paws covering and rubbing his face and eyes. Go back to sleep. Charlie knew he had a big day tomorrow, prepping the fields for planting. Maybe you'll dream about how you're going to honor my boobs, she said, walking toward the door. As naked as him, she didn't bother to put on any clothes before leaving. She paused in the doorway to add, I'm basically a superhero, you know. Super Squirrel or Mighty Mom. Hmm, which sounds better? No answer. Emmy? She asked from the doorway. The mouse, curled up in a ball again, had already fallen back asleep. Charlie clasped her paws together. Skewt. <laughs> the babies, sensing their mother was awake, screamed even louder for her. I'm coming, kiddos. Hold your horses. It was the next day, and Emerson was in for lunch. He had the scent of dirt and earth about him, as he'd been tilling fields on the tractor. The soil had to be loosened and aerated for proper planting. The weather was just about right for it. Had a lot more to do, though. Mouso, Charlie said as she entered the kitchen. Hmm? Emerson replied, his mouth full of salad. Mixed greens with almond slices, dried cranberries, and avocado chunks. Guess what? What? He asked after swallowing his food. That's not a guess. How can I guess when I have no clues? He countered, taking a drink of water. Waving her paw, she said, Auntie and Anka are going to watch the twins tonight. Oh? The mouse perked, sitting up a little straighter. Really? That's nice of them. Charlie's relatives happened to be Emerson's neighbors. They farmed the bordering land. That was how he and Charlie had met. She had been visiting them from Canada, learning the ropes to one day inherit their farm, as they had no children of their own. Charlie was still in line to inherit their land, 
but had made it Emerson, and, well, here they were. Right? Charlie exclaimed. It would be the first night she and Emerson would both have free since the twins were born almost a month ago. Got a supply bag all packed. I've pumped some milk and put it in the bottles for the kits. Pups. Gonna head next door, Charlie continued. Auntie's gonna plant her sunflower field, eh? Helping with that. It'll take all afternoon. She's doing zinnias, too, this year. Charlie's aunt sold flowers at the Circleville Farmer's Market in the summer and fall and did surprisingly big business. Fresh singles and bouquets. Charlie and Emerson often got roped into helping. When I'm done over there, I'll leave the kits, the squirrel emphasized, with her and then Akira's picking me up here and we're going with purses to the movies. She barked excitedly, tail flailing, and also out to eat. We don't know where yet. Ah, girls' night. Yep. Emerson fiddled with some strawberries. His whiskers twitched. I hope you have fun. Ah, Emmy, are you feeling left out? He looked up immediately. Did I say that? You don't have to. We're simpatico. Like I was saying last night, we're like, if I'm Super Squirrel, you're Mighty Mouse, and we both have superpowers and can read each other's minds. And also we're mated with our normal identities, and we... You also said you're Mighty Mom. Can't have Mighty Mom and Mighty Mouse. That's redundant. You're just cranky because you're tired. Emerson softened. When are you going to grow out of this? He asked of the twins. After they've weaned, probably. The squirrel shrugged. That's months away. I should ask my sister how it went with her kids. Huh. She hooked up with this gray squirrel back in Ontario and... I know. He still hadn't met Charlie's immediate family, but he had talked to them when Charlie did her weekly family video chat. Oh my gosh, hey! Her tail arced. You know, you should have a boys' night or something. With who? He asked. Your friends! Yeah, okay, let's see. Emerson counted on his paw, his ropey tail curling around the leg of his chair. That would be you. Yay! And Seldova, he said of the sultry skunk who owned a diner on Main Street in Arcadia. And, uh-huh, that's it. He shrugged, spreading his paws. All my friends are girls. <laughs> that's adorable. Well, it makes it hard to have a boy's night, is what I'm saying. Hmm. She stroked her whiskers. You need more guy friends. Emerson rolled his eyes. Hadn't he basically just said that? Don't you have all those cousins? You're borrowing and swapping farm equipment with them all the time. That's family. Relatives aren't... That's not really friends. He pushed his empty salad bowl aside, biting into a strawberry. I've always been solitary. He licked the juice from his lips, wiping his whiskers with a paw. Like, how does one make friends? You just do. Talk to people. Get them in your orbit. I mean, that's what happens for you. Charlie was one of the most extroverted people he knew. She was also doggedly persistent. I've never found it that easy. Just try. I have, he insisted. You should go out tonight, too. Only, not with me. By yourself. Go to Arcadia. Like, eat somewhere or something. Get out of the house. I'm out of the house all day, the farmer said. You know what I mean. Socially out. You could make a new friend. Maybe. Stop making excuses, Mouseo. Do it while you can. We can't loan the twins out every night. I know. Sidling up to him, she ran her paws and claws through his butterscotch head fur. And when we both get back, you can finally give my tits their due. Are you holding me to that? He asked, looking up with a smile. Yep. As long as I get to properly appreciate other parts of you, too. Oh, you're getting the whole squirrel. She churred. Emerson laughed. Come here. He reached for his mate. She bent over and leaned in. Their muzzles tilted, 
Gold and silver and bronze smushing and smashing together and several award-winning whisker-brushing kisses. Upon parting, he said, I love you. Love you too, Mouso. Early evening, Persis looked out of her front porch windows. A wall of gray clouds was retreating to the east, past town limits, and over flat, fertile farmland. In its wake, the air told of recent rain. A good, old-fashioned May storm, the kind that came and went with quick, unquestioned purpose. It's been a while since we've had a good... The painted bat was jolted from her revelry. A car had pulled into her driveway. They're here! Purse on her shoulder, Purses exited the porch, locked the door, and went to the back of the car, driver's side. Opening it, she blinked. A thick, red velvet otter tail was blocking the way, jutting through the tail gap in the driver's seat. Nah, you gotta sit on my side, Charlie insisted, from the front passenger seat. The squirrel gestured excitedly, wriggling around and following the neon orange and black bat's journey around the vehicle. Persis finally got in the car. So sorry about that, she apologized sheepishly, fumbling for the seatbelt. Once she'd secured it, she put her purse in the middle seat, and Akira, the driver, shifted the car back into reverse, then forward, then on the gas, taking the road out of town. Their destination was Circleville. The rival neighboring town of Arcadia, their town. It was the county seat, with 5,000 people to Arcadia's one. Because of this, it had a bigger variety of stores and restaurants, a dentist and doctor's office, a bowling alley, and a movie theater. That was their destination. The movies. Otter asses take up a lot of space, Charlie said, ribbing her best friend. Says the squirrel whose tail is touching the roof. Akira replied, eyes on the road. You better keep it in your lap at the theater. We got in trouble last time for blocking the view. To Persis, Charlie explained, Squirrel tails flag when we get excited. I couldn't control it. Persis smiled and tilted her head. Must be an adventure having one. Oh, it is, Charlie insisted. My tail is just a little stub, the bat said modestly. Not the worst thing. No brushing or grooming, eh? No getting in the way like, well, the squirrel said, gesturing at Akira's appendage. My tail does not get in the way, Akira insisted. You could trip a person with that. Yeah, but I don't. Now, Emmy, Charlie continued of her mate, has a low maintenance tail, too. Get up and go, you know. Though his species of mouse, eh, their tail are prehensile. You know what he can do with it? She asked, waggling her brows. Um, he can fuck me with it. Ha! I didn't know tail sex was a thing until I met him. But it's, like, legit, the squirrel promised. Seriously. Charlie, Akira said with a sigh. She's worried I'm going to overwhelm you. I'm not, am, am I? Um, no, it's, you're, you're okay. Purses cleared her throat. Charlie didn't seem to have any filter. It was a little intimidating, but kind of fascinating, too. Especially as the painted bat was constantly filtering herself. I'll give you a signal if you are. Like what? Um, uh, I'll, I'll chitter? The bat decided with a shrug. Bat sounds! Ha! It's adorable! The silver and bronze fox squirrel put her paws on her cheeks. Seriously, you're a cutie, she told Persis. And you got wings? Oh, how cool is that? Sometimes I wonder what it would be like if I was a flying squirrel. They don't have wings, Akira said. Those are membranes. I know that. Who's the rotin here? Charlie defended. I was just saying... Looking at the bat in the rearview mirror, the otter flashed her sharp teeth and said, I didn't properly introduce myself. Akira, I own the grocery store in town. Yeah, we, we've met before. The bat blew out of breath, smiling back at her, showing off her own fangs. 
I'm not as infamous as Charlie, though, Dodger said. That That's okay. Is that better or worse than famous? Charlie asked. Thanks for um letting me be a part of your girls' night. I just hope I'm not, uh, you know, in intruding, Persis said. Charlie looked up the word on her phone. Hey! Akira laughed. Then to Persis insisted, you're not intruding. Uh, are we going out to eat before or after? Normally after. There's this great... Charlie interrupted with, Oh, but look at these... Sina? Synonyms? Yeah, those! Notorious? Legendary? Oh, man! Hey! I'm legendary! For what? For having twins! People have babies all the time, Charlie. How do you think we all got here? Yeah, but mine are interspecies. Persis asked Charlie, taking the baton from Akira, who had a long day at work. Late delivery trucks, broken jars, the freezer on the fritz again. How are your, um, the pups? Kits? And they're great, Charlie said, always eager to talk about them. I have pictures, see? She gave the bat her phone. The girl is Azalea, but we call her Z. And the boy is EJ, <laughs> for Emmy Jr. She clasped her paws together. Oh my gosh, did you see the farmer outfits my auntie got him? Look at those little overalls. Persis nodded and returned the phone. Are you ever overwhelmed? By what? Charlie blinked. I, I don't know, just all of it? I know I would be. Heck no! Well, I mean, okay, yeah. She immediately corrected. You have to get up at night every night. It's constant caring all day. It's a lot, but I just love them so much. And I know time will pass so quick. She put a paw to her heart. They'll be all grown up before I know it. Persis was about to reply, but... Emmy, though, <laughs> he's such a worrywart. He almost passed out when I gave birth. Like, he took one look at what's going on down there and got all woozy. They had to sit him down next to me. The squirrel giggled. I told him to close his eyes, and I held his paw to help him through it. But when he was holding them both afterwards, he was beaming so big. Ah, oh, Persis smiled, then asked, Did it hurt, the labor? Oh, yeah. It was the worst pain I'd ever felt, but also it wasn't. I think there was a bit of a chemical rush involved, she said. Not just medication they gave me, but brain stuff. Like, your, your body knows it's not a bad pain, because there's a reward at the end of it that you've been working hard toward for so long. It's hard to explain. The squirrel paused and tried to simplify it. Afterward, your good feelings override what was happening at the time, so you remember it differently than what was actually going on. I see... You gotta feel it for yourself. No, thanks, Akira said bluntly. How about you, Persis? You want kids one day? Persis blinked. She wasn't used to being asked that question. Um, well, there aren't really any other bats in town, so I don't need to worry about it. You didn't need to be the exact same species to reproduce, as evidenced by Charlie and Emerson, but the odds were substantially better if you were. That's not what I asked. Do you want them? The painted bat said, I guess, maybe? If forced upon an either-slash-or situation, she'd rather take a step back and keep her options open. I'm not sure. Is this your new thing now? Akira asked Charlie. Being a professional mom. Matriarch, the squirrel corrected. I'm the matriarch of a family farm. Matriarch, Akira echoed. She snurked. That's so old-timey. I heard it on a TV show, Charlie bragged. Can tomboys be matriarchs? The otter wondered. Charlie wasn't traditionally feminine. Anyone can be anything is what I say. Persis really admired Charlie's confidence, or bravado. Whatever it was that made the squirrel so fearless and full of life, she wished she had it too. 
It reminded her of Riki. The giant Malabar squirrel, Arcadia's mare, was just as colorful as Persis, except instead of vivid fluorescent orange, he was deep raspberry red and purple, and burnt orange, and he was tall too. Always under the spotlight when he was in public, he handed it so breezily, relishing the attention. He and Persis were casually intimate, and she sort of become his default campaign manager, somehow. Ricky was a playboy, and that was putting it mildly, so they would never end up being a traditional couple. I knew that going in, but I still like him. So, Persis, any funny male stories lately? Akira asked. Mail stories? The bat, who worked at the town post office, scrunched her face. Um, no, not really, no. If someone was getting something crazy, I'd never know about it. Unless the package got damaged and, I mean, that's more stressful than funny because they take it out on me instead of the delivery driver. Because I'm the face of it all. She ran the lobby rather than the mailroom. May isn't a high-volume time for mail anyway. April? Now, April, people getting their tax refunds, they tend to splurge online. Delivery spike. What's the busiest time? November through February, the holiday stretch for sure. Yeah, um, Thanksgiving to Valentine's. The bat nodded, her wing arms folded around her body, making her look like a bat burrito. July to September is our slow stretch. Really? Huh. Purses nodded. Then it picks up again in the fall. How's Mayor Ricky? Charlie randomly asked, looking over her shoulder and waggling her brows. Akira shot the squirrel a look. What? The red and cream otter shook her head. Persis, picking up on this, said, it, It's okay. I know people think it's... I, I mean... She took a deep breath. I know he's a... Stud? That he gets around, Persis replied. Are you guys in an open relationship? Mm, yeah, basically. Oh, me and Emmy have threesomes with Queenie sometimes, Charlie said proudly. Y you do? Persis blushed, having been unaware of that. Mm-hmm. So, who else are you seeing? Um, no, no one, Persis admitted, explaining. Ricky is, well... He's sort of like you, Charlie. Confident, brave, willing to try anything. Squirrels be like that, Charlie said with a sage nod. Especially fox squirrels. That's the kind I am. We know, Akira assured. Maybe she doesn't, Persis continued. Me, though, I'm shy, self-conscious, so I'm flattered Ricky's into me. He's handsome, charming, and... Is the sex good? It must be, Charlie imagined. Um, well, uh... The bat stammering, in effect, answered the question. So she nodded. But he pursued me. No one else in town really has, and... I just don't have the nerve to, like, make moves on people. Or put myself out there. You're just like Emmy. We were having this conversation at lunchtime. Yeah? Yep. He was down because I was going out with y'all, and he thinks it's hard to make friends. It is hard being an introvert, Persis said, sympathizing with Emerson's plight. When Ricky wants me, I'm available. When he doesn't, I, I keep myself busy. Because making new friends, or new lovers, it's... It's like coming to a big, huge barrier with no doorway and no way around. The only way is to climb. The only way over is to climb it. And let's say you do. You make it to the other side. You're mentally and physically exhausted afterward. And you know before the attempt that it will wipe you out. So you withdraw to conserve yourself. Hmm. Long story short, I haven't had the gumption to take advantage of the situation. Ah, Charlie went. But you deserve to have it all. Thanks, Persis blushed. What's good for the goose, eh? 
Charlie, I can hear the wheels spinning in your head, Akira said, with a hint of worry, flipping her turn signal. Getting off the highway into the getting off the highway into a side road. This would take them to the center of Circleville rather than the side. You aren't going to meddle, are you? What if, like, I set you up with someone? Charlie asked Persis, ignoring the otter. Uh, who? Persis asked out of curiosity. Hmm, Queenie, maybe. Seldovia? The bat blushed. She's so pretty. Right? She's smoking hot, Charlie confirmed, of the lavender albino skunk. You'd be into her? Heck, we could have a foursome. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, Persis caught her breath. This was getting a bit out of wing. She's Ricky's opponent for mayor this fall, so... Oh, right, right. Guess that'd be awkward, huh? A little. But at least you know you're by, yeah? Persis nodded quietly. Bye, girls. High five! Charlie said, twisting about and showing a paw to the bat. I don't have fives, Persis gently reminded. It's an expression. Tap your thumb on your paw. The bat did so. Woo! If you're this hyper already, you're not getting candy at the theater, Akira swore. What? No fair! In a stage whisper to Persis, Charlie said, She's jealous I didn't high-five her. I'm straight, the otter explained. How's that my fault? Charlie asked. The squirrel exhaled. Her eyes lit up. I got it, beavers! What? Akira and Persis asked in unison. The beaver family, local business gurus. They own the gas station, tractor supply store, auto repair shop. She counted on a paw. Local royalty, Akira said dryly. Practically. One of them hit on me when I first go to town last summer, when Emmy took me to Queenie's for the first time. What was his name? Uh, Benji. Yeah, he's the one that runs the gas station. I didn't know who he was at the time, but now I do. He's still single. You could get with him, Persis, or one of his brothers. They have a sister, too. Persis could only stammer. I really... I don't know much about beavers. I do. Since when? Akira asked. I'm from Canada, eh? They're the second biggest ronits. Charlie waggled a brow and lowered her voice. They're packing. Uh, packing what? Persis asked. Wood, the squirrel said. Ha! Get it? Because beavers? Akira, chuckling, reached for the radio and turned it on setting it to a pop station. She warned Charlie, Don't change it to country. Did I say I was going to? I've driven with you before, squarely. Making eye contact with Persis in the rearview mirror, Charlie promised, I'll set you up with someone, don't worry. Persis just nodded shyly. Hey, look at that sunset, Akira told them. Ooh, Charlie went, pretty. Persis gazed out the window. It was pretty. Beautiful, even. But it was even better in the company of friends. Back in Arcadia, two blocks off Main Street, Ricky checked the temperature of the pizza oven and peered at the timer. Almost ready. The giant Malabar squirrel put oven mitts over his paws. Three. Two. The timer went off. Opening the oven, the colorful, bushy-tailed rodent took the pie out and slid it on a pizza stone to cool a little before properly boxing it up. Once boxed, he brought it to the checkout desk and set it on a shelf, tapping a taping a receipt to it. Pickup order. In addition to being Arcadia's mayor, which, in a town this small, was essentially a part-time job, Ricky owned the only pizza joint. Village Pizza, dine-in and carry-out. Open Monday through Thursday, 4 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 4 to 10. Closed on Sunday. It was 8 o'clock on Friday night, and a storm had just rolled through. The squirrel was the only one in the building. He had sent his two employees home. Rain always kept foot traffic down. 
His oblong, fuzzy ears twitched as the bells on the front door handle jingled, the door being pulled open. Looking up, Ricky smiled. Well, well, if it isn't the Miracle Mouse. Haven't seen you in a few months. Hi, Mayor. Miracle Mouse? Emerson repeated before realizing Ricky was referencing. Oh, right, he nodded. Because of... I've had my share of heated interspecies encounters, Ricky confided, emerging from behind the checkout counter to greet the shorter rodent. But I've never gotten one into the net. And you got two. Damn. He gave Emerson a boyish nudge. Emerson squeaked and swayed. It wasn't really my doing. The um, doctor said it was pure luck. Probably wouldn't happen again even if we tried. Don't be so modest, Ricky said with a smirk. And besides, the fun is in the attempts. Emerson blushed. Does everyone know uh, about the twins? Your mate isn't exactly subtle. She's a talker, no offense. Ricky added quickly. None taken. It was the truth, after all. (laughs) So, Ricky went behind the checkout counter and picked up a pencil and notebook. What can I get you tonight? Oh, right, um, I just want a small cheese pizza. One of those personal pan sizes. Just cheese, no other toppings. Well, well, sauce, obviously, but... I got you. Anything else? Um, breadsticks? Can do. Ricky wrote that down. Cheese cup with those? Yes, please. And a small fountain drink. Dine in or carry out? Dine in. Getting the order down, the squirrel said... Eating alone? Yeah, Charlie and Akira are... They're having their weekly girls' night out. He paused and asked. They took purses. Did they? Ricky asked, raising a brow. He smiled. She's a sweetheart, isn't she? Only person in town as colorful as me. Uh Uh-huh. Emerson had heard so many rumors about Ricky's sex life, he wasn't sure what to believe. But he and Purses were clearly hooking up, and had been for a while now. Was there emotion there? Were they a hot and heavy item? Or was it just a friendly fling? Sit where you want. We're kind of sparse right now. Rainy nights, am I right? Ricky said, heading back into the kitchen. Right, Emerson echoed. I'll have everything ready in 15 minutes, the squirrel shouted back. Thanks. Emerson blew out of breath, looking for a seat. Finding a square table with four chairs, he sat down in one, whiskers twitching. There was a flat-screen TV on the wall, set to a sports network. They were currently showing highlights from today's Indy 500 practice. Emerson watched intently, looking for his favorite team's placements on the speed chart. The footage showed a wreck in one of the turns, a car spinning, smoke coming from the tires, and the pieces of the chassis shredding upon impact with the wall. One of the rookies. The front door jingled, and Emerson instinctively looked towards it. Another mouse. A Merle piebald. Sooty gray with irregular espresso and caramel patches. Oh, I know him. That's Akira's mate, isn't it? Roanoke, Emerson said, waving at the fellow mouse. Sit with me? Oh, hey, Emerson. Sure. Fancy seeing you here. Taking a seat, the other mouse put his pink, furless paws on the tabletop. Going solo? Me too. Guess we don't know what to do without our girls, eh? Guess not, Emerson admitted. Roanoke squeaked lightly. Emerson nodded. Both males went quiet as mice for a moment. The phone rang at the checkout counter, and Ricky popped back in to answer it. Carry out? Yep, what'll you have? So, uh, how was the bank today? Emerson asked Roanoke. That's where the other mouse worked. He was one of the tellers. Went okay. No robberies. (laughs) Roanoke looked for Ricky to take his order, but the squirrel had already gone back into the kitchen. But, yeah, I shouldn't joke about that, should I? But, um... It went fine. Tax season is over, and we survived that. He nibbled on his lower lip, asking the harvest mouse, Um, how about you? Your day? The farm going well? Yeah. Emerson, after a moment, realized he should probably say more than that. 
it's, uh, you know, always nice to rest during the winter. But here we are, another busy spring. What does that involve? I've always been a town mouse, Roanoke explained. First, it's a lot of preparation. Getting equipment ready, making sure it's in working order, buying lots of seed. Emerson's whiskers twitched at the expense. How many 50-pound bags of different seeds had he bought? Too many, it felt like. Because the profit wouldn't come until it was all harvested and sold. And that took many months. All the while, you had to hope the weather wouldn't screw you before you got your yield. Lately, been dicing the fields. Gotta give them several passes to loosen the soil before you can use the planter. What do you grow? Emerson counted on his fingers. Corn, soybeans, wheat, alfalfa, ryegrass. A deep breath. Charlie's aunt grows a ton of sunflowers, too. I'm sure I'm missing something. Wow, that much? Emerson nodded, looking for something to fiddle with. He found a wrapped straw, tapping it on the tabletop like a drumstick. Are the pups going to throw a monkey wrench into things? Not that, uh, not that they aren't a blessing, I'm sure. A brief pause. But as a banker, I'm thinking, yeah, I know you, yeah. Emerson repeated with a sigh. Charlie seems completely unbothered by it, but it's all I can think about. We didn't have any savings built up for... He trailed off, twitching. We weren't planning on it, you know? Ronick's ears swiveled. It's a little rough. With the newborns, Charlie can't help me like she did before. Been rushed off my footballs lately, getting everything plowed. Have to plant everything before it gets too hot so I can maximize the growing season. Emerson shrugged. I farmed by myself for years before meeting Charlie, though, right? It's... I can do it. Roanoke tilted his head, sensing some doubt. It's weird. Going from alone to not alone is... It's a lot harder than the reverse, you know? Now I'm toggling between the two. Just gotta get through this first year. Hope the weather holds up, and I think we'll be okay. Mmm. Roanoke nodded, elbows on the table, chin in his paws. I think you two will be just fine. On the money side, you may have to get creative or frugal or both, but you love each other so much. I see it in how you look at each other, and that's what matters most. Emerson blushed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you'll be great parents. Already are. Emerson smiled bashfully, staring down at the tabletop. I still can't believe it. Had he said that already? Well, it was true. Mating outside my species? Closing in on 40? Almost. 35 was closer to 40 than not, and Charlie was 26, nine years younger, and acted like it too. Emerson paused, unwrapping a straw and putting the end in his mouth, chewing on it for a moment. I've only known her for a year. It just, it happened so fast. I'm usually so deliberate. Love is a whirlwind. Same happened with me and Akira. We connected at the Harvest Festival, got a bit tipsy and made out, and couldn't stop thinking about her. The piebald mouse looked down. But, uh, of course, I was too meek to make a real move, relationship-wise. She had to. Looking back up, he beamed and exclaimed, well, I'm glad she did. Did you move into her place, or? Yeah, hers. A few streets over from the grocery, we can both walk to work. And her place was bigger than mine to begin with. Roanoke, more wide-eyed and innocent than the grounded and low-key Emerson, blushed and confided, Otters have a reputation for being playful. He lowered his voice. Well, I can tell you, it's all true. Emerson giggled. It is, Roanoke said. Ha! I believe you. I just, I had liked her for a while. Even before the festival, I didn't think it would turn into anything. Guess you never know, Emerson quipped. Roanoke nodded. Hey! He squeaked. Since our mates are best friends, maybe... I don't know. We hang out more? Be friends, too? I'd like to have a mouse friend. We gotta stick together. Or squeak together. He giggled. We can, <clears throat> we can even have a secret tail shake, you know? Like a handshake, but... Uh, yeah, I get it. And sure, why not? The harvest mouse said warmly. The front door jingled again. A buxom female rabbit came through, going straight to the checkout counter for a carryout order. 
Ricky appeared and smiled, eyes checking her out as he took a pizza box off the shelf. She paid with a card and left, upon which Ricky came over to the two mice. He pointed, Roanoke, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry about the wait. What can I get you? Um, what are you, what are you having, Emerson? Roanoke looked at the harvest mouse. Emerson told him. Oh, that sounds good. Can I have that too? Sure thing. Yours will be out in just a minute, Emerson. Thanks, Mayor. When Ricky was out of earshot, Roanoke asked Emerson, By the way, who are you voting for in the mayoral election this fall? Ricky or Sildova? Election day was half a year away, but already sides were being drawn. The race was predicted to be neck and neck. Hmm. Is that too personal of a question? I'm sorry. No, no, it's... I just thought everyone knew about me and, uh, Sadova, our history. And now her history with him and Charlie. Given, as Ricky had alluded, that Charlie was somewhat of a blabbermouth, Roanoke tilted his head, blinking. Akira really didn't tell you? Emerson knew for a fact that Charlie had told her. Tell me what? Oh, Emerson blushed. You, you should probably ask her. Because, yeah, I'm... We're, well, I'm voting for Seldova. He swallowed, flustered, subtly adjusting his jeans beneath the table. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Roanoke nodded, very curious about Emerson's sudden bashfulness, making a mental note to ask Akira what the deal was. I'm going to vote for Riki. I don't know who Akira is voting for. She's been griping there should have been a third option. She's on town council, and I told her she should have run herself, but she's already busy enough with the grocery. Another customer came in for another carryout order, a burly male rat, and the TV was on a commercial break. The two mice squeaked with each other for a while longer. Then Ricky emerged with Emerson's pizza and breadsticks, giving him an empty cup to fill at a soda fountain. Thank you, Emerson said. Emerson told the giant squirrel, No probs. Yours will be out soon, Roanoke. Okay. Going back into the kitchen and waiting for the piebald mouse's order to be done, Ricky pulled his phone out of his pocket. Emerson had mentioned Persis earlier. Hmm. It had gotten the giant squirrel thinking about the painted bat, how her vivid neon colors ran all the way down, how she looked so good pressed against him and felt even better. He was at a loose end tonight. Why not see if Persis wanted a late-night snack? Ricky pulled up his text messages and scrolled for her name. Later that night, a few blocks away from the pizza parlor. I thought I told you about that, Akira said on her knees on the living room floor in front of the TV. They'd just finished watching the news. Did you? Uh, no, pretty sure I would have remembered. Roanoke replied, seated on the couch. He had just gotten the deets about Charlie and Emerson's relationship with Seldova. He'd mentioned Emerson getting flustered when the piebald mouse had brought up the skunk's name, and Akira explained the situation. It was the talk of the town back in January, or whenever they first did it. I guess my ears weren't aimed in the right direction. People just don't gossip around you, Roanoke. Akira noodled about until she was laying flat on the carpet. You're too sweet. They assume you wouldn't be interested. And when people go to the bank, they're not going to drop off the cuff conversations like they do in the grocery aisle. So I'm always going to hear more than you. Hmm, true. The mouse paused, biting his lower lip. I just want to feel like I'm in the loop. Hmm folding her paws behind her head. Akira adopted a sultry tone. Come a little closer, and I'll loop my rudder around you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Roanoke squeaked and wriggled to the floor, crawling over to her. We should probably turn out the lights before we take off our clothes, or the whole block might see what we're doing. She teased. Then we'd be the talk of the town. I'm sure they already know. You are pretty loud. <laughs> heh, 
that's not what I meant. I meant because because you know we're mates and mates screw each other, silly. Akira finished, booping his nose with a webbed finger. I agree. Roanoke giggled, getting up to turn off the lights, then hurrying back to her, undressing on the way. Shirt, tossed. Pants, underwear, kicked aside, gone, just like that. Without standing or sitting up, the undulating otter slid out of her clothes too. The mouse crawled on top of her, hugging, grinding. They passionately kissed. True to her word, she curled her thick, muscular rudder tail around him, locking him into place. Panting, Roanoke paused to ask, So, um, how does this even work? What do you mean? You know, Roanoke said, eyes going wide, whispering, With three people? Oh, uh, I mean, same as it works for two, just... Hmm. Akira grabbed his gray, toffee-spotted ass. With one more, she emphasized, bucking up against him. Yink! You're so damn innocent, even for a mouse. Something about that turned the otter on. Big time. Being the one to get him all lewd and hot and horny. Being the one to make him squeak louder than he ever had. Now... Remind me how it works for two, Mousy. I'm so forgetful. He shivered, eyes fluttering shut. First, you do this. Rubbing his sex to hers, he huffed. And uh, then this. He reached down with a paw to point himself in the right direction, easing inside her. She was so hot and wet. And a squeak. He sank deeper. All the way, balls deep into his mate's hot, snug flower. Ah, but we're, that's just the beginning. Show me, give me more, she begged. Roanoke pulled back and then drove himself back in. He did it again, again. Yes, oh yes, don't stop. A minute passed, then two. Grunts and squeaks and chirps and chitters. Akira's tongue peeked out of her maw, orgasm imminent. My cute, innocent, mm, candy-sweet mouse. Don't worry, I won't let anyone corrupt you with group sex. I'm keeping you all for myself. Roanoke, also getting close, so close, squeaked back. That, uh, that feels good to me. He'd meant to say, sounds good, but the otter didn't notice. She was too busy grunting and pawing at his rump as she clenched and came around him. Seeing stars, Roanoke went supernova himself, going off inside her. Each twitch and spurt left him reeling. Oh, oh. Akira sucked air and then sighed it back out heavily. Oh. Yeah. The mouse agreed, emerging from the other side of his pleasure, trading playful nuzzles and cuddles. He was no longer worried about being in the loop. Being in an otter was much better. At the edge of town limits, a half mile away from Akira's house, Persis stared at her bedroom ceiling. The painted bat's perky, neon-orange breasts were heaving. Wow. Ricky's colorful, smiling head casually lifted from her sex, whiskers dripping with her juices. Are you sure you're not a fruit bat? Because you taste so sweet. I, I mean, I had an orange for breakfast. Persis always felt shy when guys went down on her like that, with hungry animal abandon. Mmm, sweet and tangy. No better combination. He insisted, crawling back up her body. Must be why I like pineapple on my pizza. Persis wrapped her wing arms around the tall, colorful squirrel. Her membranes jet black, the bony struts vivid orange. Heh, you and me are the only ones in town who do. He started to suck on her cheek, but soon lost control of himself and found her lips. 
I, s- I swear, you glow in the dark. Insert sound effect. Mm, maybe, maybe a little. <laughs> she tasted herself on him as they made out. In this moment, she felt safe, afloat in a sensual bubble that felt like it would never burst. She wondered if Ricky would spend the night. He didn't always. He worked two jobs, and this was supposed to be casual, so she understood. But, tonight, I want to be held while I sleep. But slumber was a ways off. Because Ricky was eagerly pushing his shaft over seven impressive inches in length inside her, connecting them, fusing them in hot, slick pleasure, already thrusting and hammering away. Purses moaned and chittered, releasing echo burst. The invisible sound waves bounced off everything in the room and back to her scoop ear and back to her scoop shaped ears. She saw herself lying in bed beneath Ricky, from outside herself, like her brain was a camera. She liked the picture she saw. At the same time, she was open to seeing other pictures, other vantage points, other people, even beavers. After all, when you had wings, the sky was the limit. Under the pale light of a full moon, the countryside was still. Not even a breeze blew. Not even a breeze blew through the fields and pastures. The sheets, however, were billowing in the bedroom as they were kicked aside. Charlie, on her knees, shimmied into the bed, shirtless, pantless, a pair of panties. That was all she had on. She straddled her mouse. See, I told you you could make friends. We only connected because you and Akira. That still counts, Mouso. A friend is a friend. Mm. Emerson, on his back, completely naked, panted as he reached for her bouncing breast. You look great, he said. Yeah, you think? The squirrel The squirrel struck a flexing pose as her boobs were groped. Having a hard time shaking the extra weight. She still weighed five pounds more than before the pregnancy, but she had not been doing as much farm work since the twins had been born. Nah, nah, you're perfect. Aw, thanks, Mouseau. Charlie grinned and planted both paws on his chest, swooshing her coppery silver-spotted fluffy tail from side to side. I need to get a cowboy hat for situations like this when I ride my stallion, hmm? The gold and cream mouse lowered his arms, paws going to his mate's hips. I'm hardly a stallion. You're right, you're even better, she cooed, tracing his burning hot ears with her claws. Ah, just as modest as the day we met. But I know the real you, she breathed, cupping her breast, showing them off. She jiggled them for him. You want to suckle my tits, want to taste my milk, don't you? Paws going to the sheets. She stilted her arms and arched. She stilted her arms and arched, lowered her upper body onto his. Since the twins aren't here, they're all yours. Emerson, huffing, reached for her breast, cupping them, fondling them. He teased her he teased his digits over her nipples, even giving an occasional pinch. Come on already Charlie churred, muzzle falling open, buck teeth jutting. Suck on him The mouse did so, closing his eyes as his lips closed over a nipple, tongue teasing as its tongue teasing it as he sucked. A warm trickle of milk ran down his throat and he swallowed. Ah, oh, you're so kinky, Emmy, she moaned. Uh, me? He withdrew and hugged her down on top of him, kissing his way up her neck. You goaded me into it. All because I knew you'd do it, kinkster. You're asking for it, squirrely. Asking for what? Charlie challenged with a bucktooth grin, their noses bumping, whiskers tangling. Turning the tables on her, the mouse suddenly flipped their positions, wrestling the barking squirrel, who was slightly taller and heavier than him, onto her back, laying himself on top of her. Oh, if you keep doing stuff like that, I'm... I think I'm seriously going to come from it. 
Charlie said, groaning, arching her belly and back. Mm. Mm. Oh, so hot when you get all dumbly on me. Looking down, she groused. Gah, why'd I leave my panties on when I got into bed? You started to strip tease for me and got impatient, Emerson reminded. Probably. Just use your fingers and pull them aside. I'm too lazy to take them off. You're such a romantic, Emerson said, unable to stifle a giggle. Ah! She laughed too, rubbing his back. Hmm. Heck, I want you so bad. I want you too, he promised, using his prehensile tail to tug the lower band of her panties aside. This left his paws free to hold her, hug her, his tip teasing at her entrance. Give it to me, Emmy! The mouse was going to tease her further, but, throbbingly erect, couldn't help himself. He took the plunge. As he hilted inside her hot, wet sex, he leaned in for another kiss. Their lips smacked. Do you hear that? The mouse murmured, eyes half open, hooded with pleasure. The squirrel's rounded tip ears stood to attention. No, what? Uh, nothing, he said, starting to thrust with abandon. No responsibilities, just mm, privacy. Ah, you mean, ah, we aren't going to be interrupted or wake anyone up. Or get woken up, he added, giggling. Or thrown up on, or... So, ah, we can be as loud as we want and shout curses like, fuck me. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. As they careened towards their peaks, Emerson's worries evaporated. Yeah, being a new parent was hard. Farming was hard. Life was hard. He was currently hard and tingling and twitching. But making love to his mate, it was like winning the lottery. As he hit the jackpot inside Charlie's honeypot, he shivered and nuzzled her neck and whispered, I love you. I love you too. Revealing her afterglow, she grinned, Daddy. What did I say about calling me that? It's either that or dork. Since when? He combed his fingers through her tail fluff. You know, I just blew your mind. Did you? Mm-hmm. They touched noses, whiskers brushing. I felt it. Heard you, too. You should be thanking me. Oh, I'll thank you when we're done, Charlie promised, rolling them over until she was on top again. She sat up and straddled him. Wait, we're... We are done for tonight, aren't we, Charlie? He did have field work to do tomorrow. Maybe we should take a shot. Emmy, we're on a staycation, the squirrel said, a sly look in her eyes. Dismounting, she scooted forward and laid atop him, pressing her warm, coppery breast to his face. A muffled squeak. Milk it for all it's worth. And with that, we've reached the end of Talk of the Town by Field T. Mouse. Continue to listen here as well as The Voice of Dog, where Khaki and friends bring you more wonderful tales from around the furry fandom. I'd like to give a huge shout out to our Patreon members as well. In the top tier, we have Chestnut Luna, Dimbles, Fowler, and Wolflord. Being in the top tier, you have no idea how big it is for me and the podcast. It's truly humbling to have the support of amazing folks such as yourselves. The support you all have given is beyond what I had ever imagined. From the bottom of my heart, I thank each and every one of you. For our other patrons, Agador, Dream Merchant, Glared, Wasson, and Wolfie Wetfur, you guys are amazing as well. Each of you have been and continue to be instrumental to our success, and I'm proud to say that I know each of you. And finally, everyone who has listened to any of our episodes, thank you. Each and every time someone listens to our work, it really does mean the most to myself, the authors of these stories, and the voice actors that bring the characters to life. We hope to do this for a long time and continue bringing you furry erotica from all over the furry fandom. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed tonight's tale. Good night and come again. <laughs>